I want to preach this morning. Word God stirred my heart. Born again for such a time as this. You could subtitle it, as you see on the screen, Walking Out Your Twofold Miracle. If you read John chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who came from God, for no man can do miracles that you do, except God be with him. Look at Jesus' reply in verse 3. Jesus answered, he said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, some of the Jews, were looking at the miraculous. But Jesus doesn't give a teaching course about the miraculous. He simply demonstrates it. But he began to bring the main narrative of the kingdom back into alignment. You see, the miraculous were the very tools God decided to use to bring us into a new, renewed understanding of the realm of his authority and his power. The world could look for miracles, but God's miracles begin looking for the kingdom. Because not one miracle would go forth without a very purpose, a kingdom purpose to be transacted within the life of every heart and of every person. Now this is not a word, this is not a crutch concerning the miraculous. It's my desire, I really, I pray, Lord, release your power in your church today. God, we desire to see signs and wonders. But the Lord is really beginning to stir in my heart. He's saying, if my people would begin to turn their heart to being alive as a sign and wonder in the earth, then shall signs and wonders begin to follow them. There are many people, if you read in the scriptures, they got healed. They got delivered. But they never followed after Jesus. When we stand before the Lord, we're not going to say, oh, remember me, you, you know, you healed my, my throat. <laughs> but he's looking for a heart that is his. And so God's calling us deeper. He says, unless you be born again. You know, I so appreciate the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's purpose is to bring us back to the person of Jesus Christ. When Jesus came out of the waters of baptism... And the Bible says that the Spirit of God descended upon the Son, it says, like a dove, and lightning came forth. God, when He spoke, He never said, Pastor Phil, He never said, behold, my Spirit like a dove. He never said, Brother James, behold, the lightning. He says, my Son, my Son. It's like when you go to a movie theater, show, and they got the projection in the back. And you see, maybe if you got the spotlights in the back, you say you go to a IU Hoosier Theater play, and you know when you're sitting there, you don't 
stop and you look at the, the spotlight and say, my God, what a spotlight. My God, look at that light. How many voltages that thing carry? I mean, for all these techno gurus out there. But you're fixed on where the spotlight is upon. The Holy Spirit is God's spotlight to shine upon the person of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And what we see in Nicodemus, he said, my God, look at that spotlight. Look at those miracles. The Spirit of God. But Jesus gets his eyes off the spotlight and eyes on the prize. He says, let's talk about my kingdom. I believe that when we have our gaze upon his kingdom, upon his authority, kingdom, his king's dominion, that I believe everything else just begins to flow out. Just flow out. But you must be born again to see. You must be. You know, my grandmother, and by the way, the Capuchios say hello. They send their love. And uh, Pastor Phil thanks you for your prayers, especially concerning his passing of his wife. God's grace has really been upon him. And I was with him. The day we buried her, we went out. He began preaching. And I'll tell you what, the anointing of God just... So I want to thank you. But my grandmother would say all the time when she talked to people, she conversed. If you knew my grandmother, it was nothing unusual to have, be at her home. And she, her, her, our dining table became the counseling center. <laughs> and she just got into it, you know. And, and I grew up with that. But she'd always talk to people who didn't know the Lord. Oh, I know God, you know. Yeah, I know. She could no, but are you born again? And when I got older and you know, kind of bothered me because I'm like, gee, is this like a, just a charismatic, you know, thing? And I mean, they love God and, you know, like born again. Why do you got to say born again? But she always insists, no, are you born again? And I'm like, my God, they love God. They're nice people. Like, what are, you, what are you trying to get out of? And then as I began to read the word, as I began to come into what God has for my life, I realized you can't see God move. You can't see the kingdom. You can't see God's present help in time of need unless, you begin to, unless you've been dead to the old man completely. Not, not halfly. Not a partial way. Jesus didn't just have one hand nailed on a cross. The whole man. You need new eyes. New mind. We sang it this morning. Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is good and perfect, acceptable will of God. You must be born again. You know, we live in a day and an hour. I really do not appreciate I'm not the kind of person in the disposition where I always have to talk about problems in the church today because that's the Lord's bride. We're to have a high regard for his house. I'm not talking about disregarding what are problems. I'm talking about keeping our eyes on the narrative of what God has called his kingdom to look like, to encourage people. That's his, his bride. 
that we're called to present spotless before him. And so we live in quite a day, but I believe it's a great day. I believe, Pastor Mike, Dietra, it's a great day to have a great day. I believe it's a great opportunity. It's not some cliche. It's not something you'll find some hallmark card. But when you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you begin to see how God can only turn beauty out of ashes, that the darker a day could become, only the brighter a light could be when shown. I know what's taking place in government and all these things. And the world could say, but love is love. Listen, that's the world talking. But we were born again for such a time as this. I believe God is reordering the steps of the church and the nation. I had the opportunity to travel quite a bit. My experience isn't as long. I have much to go. But I have seen all different facets and things of the church within the United States and abroad. Beautiful people. But I really believe that this is a day and this is the very alarm clock. God's continuing to wake up a sleeping giant. The very people of God. And I'm really excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm sad for the nation state. Because I believe that when a nation honors God and turns to righteousness, everything else is blessed because of it. But I thank God that God reserves a remnant within every nation of people of different tribe and tongue that will confess the kingdom of God. This is why we got saved. This is why we got set free. Not just so we could come on a Sunday to just have a good moment and feel great and dandy, but that we might begin to cause our life, that God could change our lives so we could be tangible to lives who need deliverance, who need breakthrough, who need a real opening to understand that God has something great and a new life. I'll tell you one thing. God never came to give us just a better life. He came to give you a new life. Brand new. Hmm. power of God is so precious. I believe today we can't afford any more Christian casualties to lukewarmness. To a lukewarm. You know, the Bible says, one of my favorite verses in all the Bibles in the book of Psalms 85, he says, mercy and truth have met together, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. I believe if we begin to live our life just with one of those things, oh, we're just called love. That's a given. That's the foundation of Christianity. It's the love of God. But if ever we would allow the love to be divorced from his truth, they were only showing a half a light to the world. And if only, you know, another verse I like is, and James says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. If I only lived a life just feeling peaceful, everybody's going to think I'm just a nice guy. Get along with the flow. I'm not the kind of person, you know, I'll, I'll just say whatever you want to hear to make you feel good. But... If I didn't have peace and I only lived consecrated, of course, holy, I had the possibility of living a life where I could have this attitude of, 
you know, I'm right with God and you're going to have to find your own way. There's us four no more. But when I allow peace to come in and holiness, separate unto God. Peace is a gift that causes our lives to become tangible to the world. So that when they lay hold of you and me, then they can see, my God, I see holiness. I see a standard that God put in your life. How did you get there? It wasn't by my might. It wasn't by my ability. All I said was, Lord, apprehend me so that now I can begin to apprehend you. I believe we live in a day where God, where God has allowed there to be a line divided in the government, in the church. This is a perfect opportunity to rebuild, I believe for many churches, the altar of the of the clear preached word of God to raise disciples to see people walk in new life God's calling doesn't want Christian casualties he's calling soldiers 2 Timothy says this Paul says thou therefore Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Get this. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him that shows him to be a soldier. In other words, God has called you not just to, of course, enjoy his goodness, but you're going to deal with warring times because Satan's going to try to rob and destroy your life. And you're going to know what it's like, Timothy, to be on the battlefield, to fight for your destiny, to fight for your family, to fight for your marriage. But I want to tell you something. When you engage in the place of war in prayer. I know many people probably saw war room. When you place, engage that place, you're going to find it hard that when you try to go back to civilian life, you're going to try to find it hard to just try to relate with everyone as if you've never been on the battlefield. Because what happens when you're born again, your eyes open, God's glory comes into your life. But then you're released to a whole warfare. Welcome to the battle. You come to the Lord. The next day you feel like saying, my God, I don't feel like I'm saved. All of a sudden all this hell is breaking loose. Welcome to the war. But thank God that victory is his. He's called us to be more. They're not a conqueror, more than a conqueror. So he says, Timothy, endure it. Not tolerate it, endure. Endure. God's not called us to tolerate ridiculousness, but allow his truth, his love, his peace to pour in and pour out to begin to endure the test of time. Because God has called us to be written epistles. 
that will hold the testimony of enduring the ages. There's no such thing as being red hot for Jesus. No such thing. Well, might say you're a little religious. No such thing. I'm not religious. I'm relational. When you're in love, when I met my wife, I didn't play it off like, oh yeah, this was expected. Love came in my heart. It changed the way I lived. Even I'm only over two years married. I got much to go. I got much to learn. But I couldn't live my life, Brother James, like a single man. There was no more bachelor style eating at the counters. We ate at the table with my wife. Was it because I forgot we were married? No, we were very married. But my mind had to be renewed to think no longer as a single man, but as a married man. When I came to the altar of our marriage, once we were pronounced husband and wife, single Justin, single Laurel, ceased to exist in the earth because covenant was made and a new name was given. When you're born again, and you make covenant with God. It's not just remit my sin. But the old man ceased to live. You can't eat the way that you used to eat. You can't dress the way that you used to dress. I'm talking about things in the spirit. But what happens to the spirit ought to bear witness in the natural. Sorry. I myself try to fight it tooth and nail to just get by. I grew up in church. I could talk church. I was surrounded by ministers in my life. But there was something in me before I came to the altar. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to blend in. Hurt by the catastrophe that came into my family personally. But God knows how to turn a mess into a message. Before I came here this morning, I went to, oh, let me say this for those who don't know. I lived here for a total, twice, but for a total of 10 years. Grew up in church here. Before we had balconies, I sat in the back. Everybody here had church. I came. But you couldn't find me lifting my hands. But God needed to do a work, so I played the drums because that was a form of worship. But I will confess this. I love playing the drums. But in the state I was in, it was a cop-out for me lifting my hands in the, in the pew. I believe if you can't lift your hands here, you shouldn't be able to lift your hands here. Because what you see here is a reflection of what the leadership wants to see out there. That was my scapegoat. Until God separated me. And thank God he did. 
I played football. Really, I sat on the sidelines. I wasn't much of a football player. I did swimming. I was okay at that. I tried to fit in. After high school, I went to Bloomington South. Went to Ivy Tech. Went to parties. Drank. Was never an alcoholic, but just enough to fit in. That's what I did. Been with girls. Did things I should have never have done. Because I was trying to find love and acceptance. When a father left, I was looking in the wrong places. And it was robbing my life. And I was stealing and shoplifting. I was living on my own. I still came to church because there was a fear of God. <laughs> that was place in my life. There was a fear of God and a fear of mom. <laughs> she took place of the Holy Spirit. She brought me to remembrance. <laughs> my mother would pray. I hope this is okay. When my father left, I wanted to commit suicide. But my mom looked at me. She said, I may have lost a husband, but I'm not losing my son. And she spoke the word of God over my life. And I was dating girls that were professed atheists. And my mom would talk to them and say, how do I know you're not the woman for my son? He has a call in his life. And I would sit there and I'd shrug in my seat. And my mother turned to this one girl that I should have never been with. She says, God, Jesus has a purpose for Justin. And she said to her, I don't think your son loves Jesus. And though I was with the wrong person, God decided to speak through a donkey. And she turned to me and she says, Justin, you're a hypocrite. And I said, you're right. And not shortly after we broke up, and God began to do things in my life. And before I came here, there's a warehouse off Tap Road. You might know of it. People get their engagement pictures taken there. Or weddings, that old warehouse off Tap. Before it became a little bit beautified. Before people got their pictures and all that in the front. I went this morning to the back because when it was still trees around it, seven years ago, eight years ago, I got on my knees in that place. And that place is my altar. That's my Bethel. And at that moment, I cried out to God years ago. So, Lord, I hate my life. And I was trying to blame everybody for my being angry, being, me being upset. I said, Lord, I, I miss my, my dad. And I grew up in church and not once have ever heard the word of the Lord until that very day. And God spoke to my heart. He said, son, you can continue in the way that your father's going and, anybody, and everybody else in the world. He says, or 